Hey, this is Derek Wooten. I'm lead pastor of AP Church here in Cincinnati, Ohio, where our desire is to make disciples and make a difference. Thank you so much for joining us through our podcast. We pray this message speaks life and encouragement into you and what God is doing in your life. Hope you enjoy it. God bless you. You can be seated and get comfortable here. Pastor uh, Derek told me I had three hours to preach. I'm going to try to squeeze in. I got a lot more material than that, but I'm going to try to squeeze it all in in three hours. And uh, that's why he left. The, that's why he asked the food truck to stay late. No, I'm, I'm just joking. No, it's so great to be back here. It's been a while since I've been here. It's so great to be back and just to see what God is doing. And just I keep up with you guys. I'm, I follow you online and I follow Pastor Derek and uh, I watch you online. And it's just so such an honor to be here with Pastor Derek and Pastor Melissa. I love these guys. I know you do. Can we just honor the pastors of this house right now? I know how much you love them. You know how fortunate you are to have them at the helm. And uh, I can't say enough about uh, Pastor Chuck and Sharon and their family to me. As a matter of fact, I, I, I really can't remember doing ministry without him, even though I know I did. But the Lord has just had us connected for so long doing ministry. We've served together in many places. He still serves with me now. He's one of our teachers at, at the International School of the Word, where I'm the president. He actually is one of the consultants and coaches with, for Church Trainer, which uh, is another ministry we work on together. We've, we've traveled the world. We've been in, I don't even want to get started, everywhere from El Salvador to Germany to uh, Romania to, I mean, it just, we've done so much ministry together. And uh, he'll be coming and teaching at ISO here in, in very soon now. So it's just so such an honor to have them. They're, they're, they're my brother and sister, really, and uh, not just in the Lord. And also Pastor Travis and Christy, so good to have you guys. I love you guys, and it's great to have them. Thank you again, Pastor, for just the honor of speaking in this great house. And I love what God is doing here, and I, and I consider it such a great honor to be here. You know, I... The Lord kind of shook me up a little bit today, and I think he did it for you. So I don't know which one of you messed up my sermon, but I'm certainly glad that you did because I had it all packed up and ready, and I had sent it in, and the, the media team had it all laid out, and I even brought my clicker, you know. I was ready to go. And then today I, I'm dropped off at my hotel. I'm in there praying for that sermon, and the Lord says, I just did that to quieten you down because you were begging and I knew that if I gave you this word, you would mess it up. So I had to give it to you late so I could say it the way I wanted to say it, not the way you wanted to say it. And so um, later this afternoon, the Lord completely shifted everything. So I ran in here tonight and gave him some new slides. So here we are. I can't wait to hear it myself. So here we go. <laughs> you know, when the Lord does that, it really, it really does mess with you a little bit. And you, you want to know, you want to make sure that you heard God's voice. A lot of times I can't really fine tune what God wants to say until I get into that city and I just know what I'm dealing with. The warfare changes, the, the, the pull changes, that pulls something out of the oil that, that wasn't being pulled on before. And, uh, and I know that happens quite often whenever you travel and that's what happened to me this afternoon. So I really believe that what the Lord wants me to say is for you. It's not just any word, it's a word for you. 
And so I'm just, I'm just eager to go ahead and get into that. Let me just say this fast, real quickly. I didn't bring any material. I do have a lot of CDs and DVDs. If you guys, I know everybody doesn't use those anymore. I don't have any cassettes, so I have progressed. So uh, some of you have never even heard that word. You don't even know what that means. It's, it, it came out after the, the 45s, and I know you don't know what that means. So um, anyway, I'm telling on myself here. Trying to have a little old humor, but it's just not going over very well. So I've got a real young crowd here tonight. So I'll move on. Now, I do have a lot of, I do have MP4s, MP3s, and downloads, and the, uh, USB drives for your car and things like that. But I didn't bring any of that with me. But you can find that on briancutshow.com and iso.org. I just want to tell you one thing, and then I'm going to get right into this word. Uh, this is uh, my YouTube channel, Hope in the Word. By the way, guys, will I be able to see that in the back, too? Uh, so I won't need to turn around each time. Is there a way to mirror what I'm seeing in the back. If, if so, that's okay. If not, I'll just get my exercise in. All right. Okay. I, hear, I see that. That's okay. I'll just work from here. So, um, so this is just my YouTube channel. I like to just advertise. It's new. You know, I'm kind of coming to the YouTube dance late. Everybody else was, have been there for years and they've been hanging out. I've only been there for a few months, but, um, I have about 51 sermons, I think already on there. And a, a brand new one every week that releases every Thursday morning, a brand new one. So if, if you just love the Word and you just love good teaching of the Word, it might be something you want to check out. All right, well, I know what time it is. Does anybody, maybe that's what I'm going to preach on tonight, what time it is. All right, if you guys will get me back to the screen, that's all right. I don't mind turning around. Just go ahead and get me back to there. And I can preach without the screen, but I'd like for you to see what I'm, what I'm doing. So, uh, I think that would be good for you. All right, I want you to go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. The book of Isaiah, chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. This is a very familiar passage of Scripture. Um, I'm sure that pastor can just tear this one out of the frame. And by the way, isn't he a great preacher? My goodness. I mean, isn't he just an awesome, awesome preacher? There we go. I, I think we have a mountain back, so I want to make sure we get the rest of it back, and then we'll, we'll get going. There we go. All right. Well, that's a good place to start. I think we're there. All right. Here we go. Whenever I was, whenever the Lord began to deal with me about the, this sermon, I, uh, the, the actual verse there that I'm going to be talking about is a verse that says, I am undone. And I changed that to, I am wrecked. And then I changed it to, I am ruined. And I kept, I kept toying with this whole idea uh, because I kept flipping the title around. I don't know if I'm wrecked or I'm ruined. When I got in the car today, Pastor Brad was saying something to me, and he said, man, I'm just wrecked. And I'm thinking, okay, God, are you really messing with me like that? And then I get in Pastor's office, and Pastor comes in the door right before we pray, and he says, man, I saw something the other day, and I was just wrecked. I said, okay, there you go, God. I am in the, I'm in the lane. It might, be, it might be shaking me up a little bit, but I am there. So we're going to talk tonight. You can call it I am wrecked or I am ruined, but we're going to go to Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 8. I really believe that the Lord is doing something in the world, not just in America. I believe that you're going to see something, especially these young people. I cannot tell you how excited I am for you because you're about to see a side of God that I've never seen before. 
you're about to see in your generation a revival that was promised to you right before the coming of the Lord, you're going to see a shaking on this earth that is different. Now, I've seen God do some crazy things in my lifetime. I've seen God do some wild things in my lifetime. Pastor Chuck and I will remember a service where I was baptizing people, and the Holy Spirit said, sing Amazing Grace and ask if anybody else wants to be baptized. I was, the baptismal service was through. It was finished. And I just started singing Amazing Grace, just very simple, nothing profound. And the drummer jumped off the drums and jumped in the baptistry. And whenever I baptized him, he was filled with the Holy Ghost. And when he came up, other people started coming up. And we baptized for the next two hours. And it was like an angel had just troubled the water and stirred it up. People were getting healed. Sick people started coming up and getting baptized. Because, you know, baptism is a burial. So it's a burial and a resurrection. So every time we would bury whatever they needed buried and bring them up, it was like miracles started happening. It was one of the wildest services. And I shouldn't say wild, but it was wild because there's no other way I know how to describe it. It was one of the most supernatural things I've ever witnessed. And that is just one story among hundreds that I could tell you where I've seen God move like that. But what is coming is greater than all of that. What God is getting ready to do in the glory is going to be better than anything we have ever seen. He is literally saving the best for last. But God has got to get us ready for this. And I believe that God is preparing the body of Christ to move into a fresh dimension that we've never seen. You know, we only live in a 3D world. We live in, we live in a three-dimensional three world, but there are many other dimensions. One dimension that we cannot move in and out of that God can is the dimension of time. So a dimension is anything that can be measured. And we cannot move in the dimension of time, but God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So God can go into the future or God can go into the past. So God can go into your past. We can't do that. Guess what? The devil can't do that either. The good news for you is all the devil can do is set you up, but he can't make any of it come to pass. The devil can tell you and fill you with fear all day long that this is going to happen and this is going to happen, but Satan does not have the power to move in that dimension. He cannot go into your future and make any of that happen. He's trying to get you to believe it so you make it happen, but he has no authority there. He is, he is confined to walk up and down to the earth. He can only be one place at one time. He, can, he does not exist. He is not omnipresent. He does not exist in your future until you get in your future, and he gets there the same time you are. If your future gets messed up because of something he told you, it's because you believed it and you made it happen. It's not because he made it happen because he doesn't even have the authority to make it happen. So when we understand the multi-dimensions of God, God is getting ready to take us into a supernatural journey where we're going to see dimensions of God that we've never even understood before so that Scripture can culminate in a grand finale. And when that happens, it is absolutely going to wreck you. It is going to ruin you so bad that you can never be who you were before. And there's a story in the Bible about a man who absolutely got wrecked. He could not be who he was before, and that's where this story begins. So let's start in Isaiah chapter 6. I'm going to read a few verses, and then I'm going to break it down for you. 
In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above it stood seraphim, each one had six wings. And with two he covered his face, and with two his feet, and with two he flew. And they cried one to another, Holy, 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 the Lord God, the Lord of hosts, the whole earth is filled with his glory. And the posts of the door were shaken. You can hear me talk about that again. Something happens when glory comes. Two things happen. Things begin to shake. Sometimes it's people. Anybody besides me ever was, were shaking in the glory? Your hands started shaking, your feet started shaking, your body started shaking. That literally happens when the glory comes down. There are two types of glory. We'll talk about both of those in a moment. You've got the Shekinah glory and you've got the Kabod glory. The Kabod glory is the, is the tangible presence of God that you feel. The Shekinah glory is the visible presence of God that you see. And what we understand is the cabal. We feel God's presence. We say God is in the room, and he really is. And that thing you're feeling is really God. And that supernatural faith that's rising up inside of you is very, very real. And that's why sometimes we shake and we respond physically to what we're sensing supernaturally. But there is another realm of glory that resides in another dimension that is about to be opened up to the earth to fulfill Scripture, and that is the visible, the Shekinah presence of God that we've only gotten glimpse into, but it's about to become not common. It will never be common, but it is about to become accessible to us in the body of Christ because God is preparing us for the greatest finale the church could possibly imagine right before the coming of the Lord. We are gearing up for the big dance. We are gearing up. I mean, I, I don't know. I've always heard it's not over to the fat lady sings. I don't know how big the fat lady is in heaven, but she is about to sing. I think that's an opera term about a lady that hits a high note. I don't know. I don't really know what it means, but I'm telling you, I think the high note's about to be hit in heaven. I think supernatural things are about to unfold, and I think it's, I think it's for one reason only, to win a generation that grew up without God, to show them something that was lost in generations behind us. In my generation where I saw blinded eyes healed and I saw deaf, I have seen a deaf person healed. I have seen a blind person healed. I saw a man run across the pond in the spirit supernaturally, literally walk on water just like Jesus did and just like Peter did. I saw that with my own eyes. There are great things of God that we have yet to see. At church, I'm telling you, it's bigger than songs and sermons, and it's bigger than Sundays and Wednesdays. What God is about to do is going to wreck us and shake us to the very core, and we're going to see the supernatural power of God poured out on this earth as never before. So as we continue through this, let me just re you know what? Let me just get started with this because I'm going to break these verses down for you anyway. So hold your Bible right there to Isaiah 6, and we're going to walk through it together. So the first thing you have to ask yourself is, who is Isaiah? Who is this guy that's writing this, and what did he see? Well, and I will go ahead and control it from here, guys. So I just, just if you don't mind, I'll just go ahead and use the clicker and control it from here. So here's the thing. I want you to see this. Who is Isaiah the prophet? Now, 
Most of the time when you read Isaiah, you know him as a prophet writing the Bible. But that's not how he started out. Isaiah is a member of the royal family. His uncle is King Uzziah. So his father is Amaziah, the brother of Uzziah. So his, his, uh, his, his uncle is King Uzziah. He is a member of the royal family. He is a grown man who's married with children, and he's a royal ambassador. So he is a businessman on behalf of the nation of Judah. And he's going around doing business with other countries on behalf of the royal family and on behalf of Judah. Now, there's a lot of prophets in the Bible that did, that did not become prophets till they were older. Daniel does not become a prophet till he's 62 years of age. All the stories of Daniel that you read, Daniel chapter 1, he's only 16. You know, most of, most of the book of Daniel is about a teenager. Most people don't realize that. Daniel in cha Daniel chapter 1 is 16 years old. Daniel in Daniel chapter 2 is 18 years old. Daniel in Daniel chapter 3 is 21 years old. He's a young man, and he's a businessman. He is now made a governor in his 20s. He is now a governor. He's not a preacher. He's, he's a, he is serving God. He's worshiping God, but he's not a prophet. He's not called to be a prophet till he's 62 years of age. Well, the same thing is going on with Isaiah. Isaiah is a businessman. And as a businessman, he's used to doing business. But something happened in the kingdom that messed him up. And sometimes crisis is a setup to glory. And that's exactly what happened here. It looks like it's getting worse, but it's actually just about to get better. It is a realignment, a reset. I believe the church has been reset. And I, I just want to say this one time. This is a hit and run, and this is not about this church. It's about churches across America. We became way too numbers driven for too long. We became, that became our goal. How many, how much, and all of this. And even, all you have to do is look at Facebook and you can see it. Everybody posted every stat they ever had. But then COVID took all that away. Nobody had any stats to post. So now you know what they're posting? How many people got saved? How many people got baptized? I think we've been reset back to a good place, a positive place, a very hopeful and helpful place in the body of Christ. I think it's been a realignment back to the plan and will of God because those numbers had gotten us off course. Well, the same thing is happening to this man. This is Isaiah. King Uzziah has just died. Now, I'm just going to give you the hit and run of Uzziah because you need to know who he is. His story is actually found in a, in a different book of the Bible. It's actually found in 2 Chronicles chapter 26. Uzziah was one of the most famous kings in Judah. He became king when he was 16 years old. and He ruled for 52 years and everybody loved him. He was a godly man, and everybody loved him. I mean, he won the wars, the battles. Uzziah was famous, and he was, he was really king. I mean, he wasn't just king by nature. Everyone was thrilled that he was the king. But like a lot of celebrities, his kingship went to his head, and he tried to do something that was outside the will of God because he thought he was so popular that he could. He went into the temple and tried to offer sacrifice in the Holy of Holies. And the priest said, you can't do that. And he, the priest stood in front of him and said, listen, you're the king, but you're not a priest. God did not ordain you to be a priest. You cannot step in here and do the job of a priest. And Uzziah said, you're in my way. Get out of the way. And he, had, he grabbed the censer 
and, and went to offer incense to the Lord, and the Lord struck him with leprosy right in front of the priest. And this famous king had leprosy till the day he died. So now King Uzziah is missing in action. He is no longer the king that's riding on the royal steed through the, through the middle of the streets. He is now hiding out and running the kingdom through his son, who is not really the king. He's the prince, but he's the one on the throne. And his dad is whispering through windows, and, and he has his face wrapped in all kinds of, uh, uh, of all kinds of cloth. And he's giving him kingly advice, but he cannot be seen in public because he's a leper. And that's the king who died. Uzziah is dead. And Isaiah, a member of the royal family, knows the kingdom is in a mess. Have you ever been a part of a nation that you thought was in a mess? Yeah. <laughs> I'm asking the right question, right? Have you ever looked around the nation and thought, what is going to fix this? You know, we, we can't agree on anything. Everybody is polarized in their thought life. What are we going to fix? How are we going to fix this? So Isaiah does the right thing. He does what you do and what I have to do. He goes to the temple to pray. So here is where the story gets interesting. And God said, I'm going to wreck this businessman so bad that now that he's coming to the temple, I'm going to show him something that is absolutely going to mess him up. Now, what I'm about to show you in the Bible, if you've never seen it, it is one of the greatest revelations in all of the Bible. Because some people try to teach, uh, and if this is wrong teaching, of course, that Jesus did not pre-exist before his birth with Mary. I don't know why a liberal theologian would even attempt that one. Because Jesus has always been there. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. That's why God said, let us make man in our image. The Father, Son, Holy Spirit has always been the Godhead operating. And some people try to teach differently. Well, here is proof of that. That Jesus was there. So when you pick up on this next verse, he begins to tell you, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Now, you're going to see two things in your scripture. If you have your Bible, I want you to look down and notice these two things. You're going to see the word Lord spelled L, capital L-O-R-D. That word is Adoniah in Hebrew. That's referring to the, the master and the king. Then you're going to see the word L-O-R-D in all capital letters. He used the same word, but he spells it differently. When you see the word L-O-R-D in the same passage, in those same eight verses, when you see it L-O-R-D capital, it is Y-H-V-H, the unpronounceable name of God, where we get the word Yahweh and where we get the word Jehovah from. That is referring to God the Father. So the Adonai is not referring to the Father. It's referring to the King. And here's something I want you to see. I'm just going to move ahead and just kind of give you a, 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 a spoiler up front. When Isaiah sees the Lord on his throne, he says, my eyes have seen the king. Somebody tell me who the king of heaven is. Is it the father? No. Who is the king of heaven? The king of heaven is Jesus. Isaiah has said, what has messed me up is I have seen the father and I have seen King Jesus on his throne and I do not know what to do with this. No one has ever seen this before. I have no, I have no way of, I have no way of explaining it. I have, I, I don't even know what I'm going to do with this. Well, see, he's not the only one that got this revelation. Even when 
it, when, when Psalm 8 was written and David was given a Psalm 8, he says, oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He uses those same two words, oh, Lord, Y-H-V-H, oh, Lord, Adoniah. He spells them differently, or he, he spells them the same in that verse, but, it, but it's two different Hebrew words. So he's saying, oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. He's saying, the Father and the Son, how excellent is your name in all the earth. So here's what he sees. He says, I saw the Lord, Adoniah, not, not YHVH. I saw the Lord high and lifted up, and he was sitting on a throne, and he said, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now, here is something you need to, uh, you need to understand. I didn't realize that my, my, I don't know how my website got on there, but any, anyway, that was, I don't know what happened there. Here's what I want you to see. When he saw the throne of God, you have to understand that the Bible reveals three different thrones of God in heaven. Three. Everybody say three. The first one we call the great white throne. Everybody say the great white throne. How many of you have ever heard of the great white throne? Okay, the great white throne we see in the book of Revelation, but the problem with the great white throne is that there's no word for white. The word there is not white. The word there is light. The Greek word for the great white throne is the great light throne. But there was no way of writing the light throne, so they had to change it to white throne because that's the only way they could make it tangible because how, do, how does anybody see a light throne? But when you read the book of Revelation, it will tell you that from that light throne, now you understand why the Bible says every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of what? Lights. Because the throne that the Father sits on is a throne of lights. And what's interesting about that is that when you read the book of Revelation, it will tell you the color of light that's coming from the throne. It will tell you in Revelation 4 and 2, he says, I was in the Spirit, and behold, the throne was set in heaven, the one who sat on the throne. And he who sat on the throne was like a jasper and a sardis stone. So I've given you a picture here of a jasper stone and a sardis stone, which is red. So everybody say red. red. So the throne of God is red. It's a, not a white throne. It's a light throne. And the color of light that comes from that is red. You think, okay, is this really needed in the sermon? Hang on because we're not through yet. I'm building something here. And when you see it, you're going to go, ah, oh, I get it now. But when Ezekiel sees the throne, he sees it a different color. This throne is on the earth. When Ezekiel sees the throne of God in Ezekiel chapter 1, he, say, he describes the throne as a, as a sardis or sapphire throne, which is blue. Everybody say blue. So the Father's throne is red, and the Holy Spirit, who's the agent of the earth, his throne is blue. And get this. There is another throne that is also seen in heaven, which is in the temple. So the white throne is in the courtroom. That's the red one. The blue throne is on the earth. That's where the Holy Spirit dwells. That's the blue one. Now this one that Isaiah sees is the throne in the temple. 
It's not the courtroom. It's not on the earth. It is in the temple, and he sees a king on the throne in the temple, and it is an emerald throne. He sees this as a green throne. So now we got a red throne, and we have a blue throne, and we have a green throne. What in the world are we going to do with a red throne and a green throne and a blue throne? Well, I don't know how many of you are familiar with something called RGBs. Do you know what those are? See these lights behind me here? These are called LED lights. Right up there on the sides, up above me, all of these are called LED lights. Do you know what LED lights are run from? RGBs, which means every single color spectrum in the world is made up from red, green, and blue. R, red, green, G, the G is green, and B is blue. Every single color spectrum on the earth, these only have three colors in them. RGB. They have a red, a green, and a blue, and it's according to how you mix those. You can make it white. You can make it dark. You can literally make it any color in the world if you, if you mix those a particular way because that's how RGBs work. Well, years ago, I was actually preaching about, uh, about the smallest component of matter, and I was talking about the atom being the smallest component of matter, and I realized that you have to break it down into protons and the neutrons to find the smallest component of matter. And one of it was actually Jordan Knoll that came to me and said, uh, Pastor B said, I, I know it's been a while since you've been in school. And I said, thank you, Jordan, for reminding me. And she said, but, but there's a problem with your, with your science. The, the smallest component of matter is not... Uh, is not a proton and a neutron. She said, now they have telescopes that can look a thousand layers into a proton. Who knew? I didn't know. And a thousand layers into a neutron. And at the bottom, they found the smallest component of matter, which is a quark. Would you like to see a quark? That's what that is. A quark is three strands of light wrapped in a sound wave that literally creates every single thing in the universe. Every single thing from the hair of your head to every dirt to every piece of dust to every cloud in the sky, every single piece of matter on the earth at the smallest component is made up of RGBs. It's made up of blue and red and green strands of light wrapped in a sound wave. That is why we can prove now through the Bible that when God said, let there be light that every single thing in the universe was created at one time because the glory of the Father and the glory of the Son and the glory of the Holy Spirit went out wrapped in a sound wave. And here's the crazy thing about sound waves. They never dissipate. So millions, eons later, those sound waves never diminish at all. And that is how you're sitting here tonight. And that is how you're sitting in this chair. That's how metal is made and rock is made and cloth is made. And every strand of fiber in the universe is made of the smallest component from this wood to the paint on the wall. Everything at the smallest component is made of a light strand, a red, a green, and a blue light strand wrapped in a sound wave because God God said, I am everywhere. I am more than powerful. I am, I am omniscient. The car you're driving in is made of me. The clothes you're wearing is made of me. The house you're living in is made of me. Every single thing is made of the glory of God in red, greens, and blues. 
Now, that's, that's an incredible revelation, but it doesn't stop there because he actually sees, he actually sees more than a throne. He says, I saw the Lord, and when I saw the Lord, he was high and lifted up, and it, the, the train of his robe fills the temple. So I wanted you to see a royal robe. So he has actually seen a royal robe. Now, we've never seen God in a robe before. No other place in the Bible does it show God wearing a robe. There's only one reason for putting on a robe, and that is coronation. The king does not need a robe. Only on the coronation day when he is crowned does he wear a robe. This is the coronation robe of Queen Elizabeth, who's still alive. That is her coronation robe. They make the robe as long as they can because they want the robe to show this pomp and circumstance of glory as she walked down through Westminster Chapel. They wanted that robe to drag the ground and wrap around everybody so they would know this is a queen's garment. And Isaiah says, I didn't just see a throne, I saw a robe. And he's the only one that saw a robe because now it tells me that he's not just seen Jesus. He's not just seen a king. He has seen a particular moment in time that no one has ever seen before but two people. Only two people have ever even seen this that have lived to tell about it. One is Daniel and the other is Isaiah because he's showing us a, a kingly garment. Now, I want to just read something to you. This is so powerful. I, I haven't read this scripture in years in a sermon or anything, so I, I just, when the Lord told me to say this tonight, I was pretty excited about it. So if you've never seen this before, guys, this is, this, is, this is like one of the most epic moments in the whole Bible. And yet, it's, it's kind of buried in prophecy so people don't pull it out and look at it with, with the eyes that we're about to look at it. So I'm, I'm in Daniel chapter 7. Listen to this. I watched till the thrones were put in place. The word thrones there is plural, not one throne. I watched till the thrones were put in place, and the Ancient of Days was seated. How many of you know who that's referring to? That's the Father. The Ancient of Days is one of his names. I watched till the thrones were put in place, so we are entering the courtroom of heaven, and the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool, and from his throne was a fiery flame and wheels of burning fire. Now, we've seen this before. We've seen the throne with fire shooting out of it. This is the throne of the Lord. This is the throne of God, of God the Father. A fiery stream issued and came from before him, and thousands of thousands ministered before him. Ten, ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. We've already seen this in the book of Revelation. And then he uses these words, the court. Everybody say the court. The court was seated and the books were open. Where are we right now? We are in the courtroom of God. And the, king, and the Lord of the universe, the Father, has sat down at the light throne. And he's about to drop the gavel and predict an edict. And all of a sudden, guess who shows up? I watched then 
at the sound of the pompous words which the horn was speaking. This is the talking about the spirit of the Antichrist, okay? And I won't go into all of that because I want you to get down to verse 13. And as I was watching in the night visions, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. Isn't that always his chariot? That's how he went up. That's how he's coming back. One like the Son of Man is coming in the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days. So this is where Jesus shows up at the courtroom so that he can be crowned as the king of the universe legally and rightfully because of what has happened at Calvary. Then to him was given dominion. Look at this. And they brought him be and they brought him near and before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory in the kingdom. And all the people and nations and languages should serve him. And his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And I'll just... And his kingdom, the one which there, which shall not, not ever be destroyed. Now, I, I, I kind of, I can't see all of that, so I did the best I could. So you got all those words as best you could. I didn't bring my glasses because I forgot about that part when I knew I was going to read that extra scripture. But here's what I want you to get. You just witness, if you've never seen it before, the window of scripture that shows you when Authority was legally transferred because of the price that was paid on Calvary to Jesus. This is his coronation day. Daniel peeked in the window of the courtroom and saw it. Now Isaiah sees it. He says, I saw the Lord. He was high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now you got to understand this. Why is he saying that he's high and lifted up? Well, I want you to see this. This is the longest wedding train in the world, okay? This is from the Genesis Book of World Records. So this is the longest wedding train in the world. This is a girl who lives in Romania, and you'll see that her wedding train is 1.8 miles long. She wanted to break. How many of you girls want to walk and pull that behind you? I don't think so. No, so you, you need a whole lot of people to carry that thing. 1.8 miles behind her. But here's the problem with a robe that long. No one can see it until she's high and lifted up. So what they did is they put her in a hot air balloon and they raised her up two miles in the air so that you could see the majestic train that she had built. And in order to see the, 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 the beauty of this moment, you had to look up just like that into a hot air balloon. And you had to keep looking higher and higher and higher. And if you couldn't see it all, you just had to keep looking up higher and higher. And that is just the longest wedding train on the earth. This train in Isaiah is so long that the hymn, that's the Hebrew word that is used, it is the hymn, the train of his robe, the hymn of his garment filled up the entire temple. Now I want you to think how long these walls are. Imagine that if a garment was so long and so large that just the hem of the garment was as tall as this wall right here beside of us. And this is a, this is a tall wall. That's what Isaiah saw. He said, I saw the hem of his garment filled the temple. And he said, in order for me to see how grand he was, in order for me to see how great 
great he was, in order for me to see how majestic he was, I had to keep looking up and looking up and looking up. And one of the problems with us when it comes to faith in Jesus is we're looking everywhere but up. We're not seeing him big enough. We're not seeing him high enough. I'm telling you, he's higher than sickness. He's higher than debt. He's higher than bad news. He's higher than he's higher than disaster. He's higher than heartache. He's higher than pain. He's higher than getting fired. He's higher than losing a house. He's higher than whatever it is that you've lost. If you can see him high and lift it up, just keep looking up. You've got to see him higher. You've got to see him bigger. You've got to see him higher. And our problem with worship is that we don't look higher than a song. Our problem with worship is we don't look higher than a musician and we don't look higher than a voice and a singer. But Isaiah said, how can I even bring him anything? Because Isaiah said, I saw the Lord high and lifted up. Do you know what worship means? The word worship, if we break it down in the English, is worth-ship. That means this is how much you're worth. So worship is, this is the value, this is the price tag I'm putting on it. What is the, what is the worship of this chair? I don't know. I'd say about 200 bucks. So I'd say, that, I'd say for 200 bucks you could probably buy this chair. Maybe not. This is a nice chair. Maybe a lot more than that. But I'm just going to guess, all right? So I'm saying for 200 bucks you could buy this chair. Some of you are saying, no, keep going. Keep, go, look higher, Dr. B. Keep looking higher. You're not high enough. So that's the problem, right? In order to me to find the worth of this chair, I have to keep looking up, and it goes higher. How do I find the worth of God? I keep seeing him higher and higher and higher. So when I come before him in worship, do you know what I'm doing when I come before him in worship? I am bringing a king a gift. That's all I'm doing. I'm not singing songs to get him to sit down in the church. I know we say that all the time. The Lord inhabits the praises of Israel. Don't take that out of context. The Lord inhabits the praises. That doesn't mean I sing a song and he walks into the building. No, he was in the building before you got here. This is his house. It's not your house. We don't have to invite him to his own house. He's the one who invites. He said, whosoever will, let them come in. Let them come in. When you walked into the building, just like the song Holy Ground says, when I walked through the doors, I felt his presence. If you come in here on a Monday morning, there's no one here. He's already here. If you come in here on a Tuesday night at 11 o'clock and no one's in the building, he's already here. You cannot sing God into a room no the reason we think reason we know that worship gets us in God's presence it does not bring God near to us it brings us near to him because worship is a gift that we bring before the Lord I don't want to get into this but if you look in the Old Testament there was about only one type of worship they until David where they offered the Moscow dance and all of those things there was only one word used for worship and it was the word sakal which actually shows up in the word worship more than any other word in the Bible. And you know what it means? To get on your knees. It means that I am coming before a king and he should be the only one standing. Well, when the Lord showed me that the next morning when I went into my, into my study, because I pray every morning, when I went in there, all I could think of was, I shouldn't be standing. That's all I could think of. I turned on music and I got on my knees and all I could say out of my mouth was, 
I, I want you to be the only one standing because when I see you, I want to have to look up to you. I am not, I cannot look down and find hope. I cannot look down and all I will find is despair. It is when I see him high and lifted up and when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said he's bigger than Judah. He's bigger than the loss of Uzziah. He's bigger than all the issues that this nation is facing. When I saw the Lord, it's interesting, isn't it? How he was mourning the death of the king, and God shows him the king, the real king. Do you realize that this nation, yes, this nation, America, that I love, I dearly love it, it is in a mess, and I don't need to tell you that. It's been in a mess for a long time. But you know something else I know? We are a kingdom within this kingdom. What I know is this world is going to be thrust into chaos as we near the coming of the Lord. But the kingdom of God is going to be thrust into revival. And even though the kingdoms of this world may be going down, the kingdoms of our God are going up. And as we see, as we see a great falling away, as we see chaos in the land and confusion in the land as the Antichrist kingdom is being established, we're going to see the church go out in revival. We're going to see the church go out in, in a blaze of glory. So God is getting ready to do something in our life that we never can even imagine. He says, you, you see, that's the reason when we're waiting on God, our waiting rooms must become worshiping rooms. He said above them stood seraphim, and I don't want to get into those, but these seraphims are mighty creatures with four faces, and I just want to say this one thing about them. On the right side, they have the face of a lion. On the left side, they have the face of a calf. On the back side, they have the face, the face of a flying eagle. And on the front side, they have the face of a man. Why is it, why is seraphim created that way? This is you praising God in your battle. Yes, you're fighting your battle, but don't forget to praise. You can praise your way through a battle. When that, that's the lion. When you're fighting, keep praising. Don't give up your praise. That's lion worship. And over here is you in sacrifice. Lord, I wish I could change it, but right now I can't, so I'm going to praise you even though I don't like it. Here's a sacrificial animal that has to be laid on the altar. God, I don't, I don't like what's going on, but I praise you anyway. Back here is the, is the flying eagle. That's my successes. God, I praise praise you in my successes, but I don't praise my successes. I have to keep them behind me. If my successes were in the front, I would see them and start praising myself. I would start praising what I've done and how I've accomplished things on this earth. But I thank God for his goodness, but I keep all of that behind me. And right in front of me is the man walking by faith. I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, but I'm going to praise you in tomorrow. I don't know what I'm I don't know if this is going to be lion praise tomorrow or calf praise. I don't know if I've got to walk out of success to get into the next season of success. But what I do know is wherever I find myself, I will worship. I will worship in battle. I will worship in sacrifice. I will worship in success and I will worship by faith. And the man, the face of the man is in the front because we walk by faith and not by sight. And sometimes when it doesn't look good, you just have to say, God, I praise you anyway. I don't know what I'm walking into, but I'm walking into it with a shout. I don't know where I'm going, but I'm walking into it with a praise. I don't know what's about to happen. But what I do know, wherever I end up, I'll be praising you there. Whatever it looks like, I'll be praising you there. Whoever I run into, I'll be praising you there. One thing will be consistent. This world around me may fall to pieces, but you 
will always be high and lifted up and your train will always fill the temple and I will always see you as you are and I will never stop worshiping you for who you are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that is why the seraphim are crying, holy, 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 holy to the red throne, holy to the green throne, holy to the blue throne. He's not just repeating himself. He said, holy to the Father, holy to the Son, holy to the Holy Spirit. And he's worshiping the Godhead. That's why he says the whole earth is full of his glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Hallelujah. So we're about to see something, and I'm coming to an end here, but we're about to see something that Isaiah saw that messed him up. He saw, the, he saw two things manifest at the same time. He saw the Shekinah and the Kabod. And here is the thing. We have probably most everyone in this room has felt the tangible Kabod presence of glory. That's that feeling we get when we say, man, something just, you know, uh, Perry Stone will say, something just flew by. I don't know if that's a real something or just something, but he's just saying he felt something. Everybody else ex explains it different ways. I've seen the old saints of God shake under the power of God. Yeah, I don't know if you know who Tommy Bates is. I think he's, he's not too far from here. Tommy Bates talks about shoulder shaking. And I used to think, that just must be a mountain thing. But I don't think it's a mountain thing. You know, because I think shoulder shaking is just one of the shakings that happens when the glory falls. Some people shake their shoulders. Some people shake their legs. Some people shake their hands. I saw a little old lady in my church. She'd just walk around like this all the time. And that just meant the Lord was on her. You know, she just, her hand would shake just like that. Because when these seraphim cried out, holy, 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 two things began to happen. The smoke of God rose up in the house and the pillars of the doorposts began to shake. Two manifestations. One was visible and one was emotional or physical. And God is saying that in these last days, I'm getting ready to show you the kabod and the Shekinah. I'm going to show you seraphim worship. I'm going to let angels come down and walk among you and let you see the glory of God in a way that you've never seen it before. One of the reasons he's going to do that is because there are still passages that have to be fulfilled. And one of those passages is in the book of one of those passages is in the book of Habakkuk 2 and 14. He says, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. That's YHVH, as the waters cover the sea. You know what that passage is saying? This is this is Habakkuk 2:14. He says, The earth will be filled with what? The knowledge of the glory. It doesn't mean that everybody's gonna see it, but everybody's gonna know it's there. People are gonna start talking about the glory. You're gonna see captures of glory on Instagram. You're going to see captures of glory on Pinterest. You're going to see captures of glory on TikTok. You're going to see captures of glory on Facebook and wherever you hang out to get your social life and your social fix. You're going to see captures of glory because when God gets through shaking us, when God gets through messing us up, when God gets through wrecking us and ruining us, when God gets through showing us glory, people are going to start taking pictures of it. People are going to start listening. You see, glory has a sound. There's 
is going to be a sound of worship that comes into the body of Christ that cannot be produced by musicians and singers. It is a sound of glory when the holy groan and the holy moan. Have you ever been in a room before where it sounded like the sound of many waters? That's how the Bible describes it because it's hard to distinguish the sound. We were in a we had a night of worship at, at the International School of the Word with Lyndall Cooley. Lyndall was teaching a course back in January just last month for us. Well, this is March now. He, back in January of this year, he was teaching a course on worship, why we worship. We decided to have a night of worship, and, and, our, and our building just packed out that night. It was just nothing but Lyndall Cooley leading us in worship, and there was a place about an hour and a half into that, into that worship service where the glory of God came into the room, and he quit playing. All the musicians quit playing, and all the singers quit singing. No one was leading it. There was no one singing. There was no one playing. There was only one sound in the room. It was the rumble of glory. And all you could hear is glory. All you could hear is the presence of God. And this went on for almost 30 minutes. It wasn't a two-minute thing. It was no one wanted to leave. As a matter of fact, if it was still going on, I would still be right there. I didn't want it to end. I, 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 wanted, I wanted to stay all night. No one would have had to beg me or prod me or tease me to stay all night long. I would have stayed in that atmosphere until the sun came up the next morning because the atmosphere of glory does not drain you. You know what drains you? Anointing. Anointing drains you. Glory does not. It's the opposite. Anointing is when God is flowing through your gifts, the gift of preaching, the gifts of the Spirit that flow through you, the gifts of singing. When you get through pouring out, you're, you're empty. When you pour it out, anointing drains you. Glory energizes you. Glory is when God heals people and no one laid hands on them. Glory is when God saves people and no sermon was preached. Glory is when somebody's driving by and they start driving up the hill and they don't even know why and they walk in the house because the glory of God drew them here and no one witnessed to them. They came in to get saved because God sent them here. Glory is when someone gets delivered from, from addiction and they didn't go to rehab. Glory is when somebody gets up out of a hospital bed and walks out and no one anointed them with oil. No one prayed the prayer of faith. God did it all by himself. Glory is when God shows up and shows out and does something without the help of men. Anointing is when God uses you. But glory is when God does it all by himself. And the power of God comes into a room and without, you know, we, we got a little concerned during COVID because we couldn't lay hands on anybody. Let me tell you, the glory is going to do away with that anyway. When the glory comes, you won't see hardly anybody laying hands on anybody. You'll see people falling under the power of God. You'll see people wrestling under the power of God. You'll see people shaking under the power of God. You'll see people getting filled with the Holy Spirit. You're going to see people getting healed. You're going to see people getting delivered and set free. And nobody has done anything. Nobody has reached out a hand and touched them. Nobody said, lay hands on your neighbor. Nobody said, bring me the oil. God is going to to do it all by himself because that's what glory looks like. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's what happens when the glory settles. You have the kabod and you have the shekinah. Something that you feel and something you see. Um, when I was a boy, I was in a worship service one time 
and I saw a blue mist. And I never knew why it was blue until the Lord showed me about the, the sapphire throne. And I know now it was the Holy Spirit, but I didn't know why it was blue. Maybe some of you have seen this, but I was a boy. I was probably about 10 years old at the time. We had Sunday night service at our church back then, and, and we were just, there wasn't a huge crowd, but all of us were praying, and it was during the altar call, and all of a sudden, it, was, it started rolling in. Now, there were no fog machines. They weren't, hadn't even been invented, as far as I know, so it wasn't that, and, 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 but there was, a, there was a, like a cloud came into the room. It was visible to everyone in the room. There, might, there was probably no more than 50, 60 people in that room, and that visible cloud was blue. It was like a blue mist, and it just hung over the room. And when it happened, the musicians couldn't, they couldn't play anymore. That's like when the glory of God entered the temple and the priest could not stand to minister. You have nothing to say when the glory shows up. It's not about you in that moment. All you can say is, he's high and lifted up and his train fills the temple. All you see is him. You don't see anything. You don't see yourself. You don't see who's looking. You don't care who's looking. At that moment, you lay down all pride. You don't think, you don't worry about what they're going to say in the morning if the Holy Spirit moves on me tonight. You don't even, that thought never even crosses your mind. The only thing that crosses your mind is he is here. And I remember that glory of God came down to the room. And everybody got on their face. We got on our knees. And I was a little boy. And I didn't even know how to respond. I just did what everybody else did. The musicians got on their knees. The pastor, everybody in the church. And we just bask in the glory of that cloud that had come into that room. That's the Shekinah. And guess what? You're getting ready to see it again. The knowledge of the glory of God is going to cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. It hasn't happened yet, but it's getting ready to happen. Malachi prophesied, I won't go there, but Malachi prophesied a last day revival. Joel 2 prophesies an outpouring on sons and daughters, a revival where, uh, that, that is going to happen in the last days, right before the coming of the Lord. It's a salvation revival. We're getting ready to see it. It's already begun in many parts of the world, and we're getting ready to see it. So let me close with this, and I'm going to go ahead and ask the, the singers to come back. I'm going to wind it down. One of the things that happened is that the seraphim flew to him and put a tongue on his, put a, a coal of fire on his mouth. God has to heal our mouth before we can see glory. Because we're prophesying things that shouldn't be prophesied. We're calling things that are not as though they were and they're not good things. See, you have a creative power. The power of life and death is in your tongue. Before glory comes, we have to start saying something different. Before glory comes, complaint has to turn into testimony. Before glory comes, negativism has to turn into positive things. And so before glory can come, our mouth has to be healed. He has seen it. It's messed him up, but God can't use him yet. So if one church is speaking faith and another church is not, it'll just skip over them. Everybody's not going to host it. It's going to be hosted by people who are anticipating it, ready for it, longing for it, hungry for it. But there's some churches that it won't, it won't settle in because of the things people are saying, the things they're speaking against, the things they're, they're, they're dishonoring, the things they're, 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 they're calling out that are not good things. And so his mouth had to be healed with a holy fire off the altar. It all starts right here. It all starts right here. This is where it changes. Isaiah had to go to the altar to get in the glory. When he went to the glory, when he went to the altar, the seraphim brought the coal and put it on his lips. And then this is what he says when he finishes. He says, I'm ruined. 
Now, if you read the King James, it says, I am undone. We don't say that. You know what we say now? I'm wrecked. That's what we say. I'm just wrecked. I, I can't go back to being a businessman. I can't go back to doing what I used to. I'm so messed up. You know, you go to one youth weekend, it messes with you, don't it? I don't know if you guys were there or not. Were all of you guys there? Didn't it wreck you? Didn't it make you want more? It, you, you just can't be satisfied with what used to be. You can never go back to the way things were. It wrecked him. He said, I don't care if I'm a member of the royal family. You know what he said? I'm undone. And you know why he said it that way? Because he said, nothing I've done matters right now. I'm undone. It doesn't matter that I'm a member of the royal family. I'm undone. That's undone. It doesn't matter that I'm an ambassador of the kingdom. That's undone. It does not matter that I'm a successful businessman. That doesn't mean anything. Nothing I have done matters anymore. I am so messed up by this glory that I've been caught up in. I'm so messed up by this power and seeing the Lord this way that I can never go back to the way things were. I am wrecked. I am ruined, and I'm no good for anything except glory. And then the Lord says, who will go for us? And this businessman says, listen, here am I. Use me. He becomes a prophet that very day because he cannot go back to being a businessman. The businessman, none of that even appealed to him anymore because in the light of glory, what can compare? And God is saying tonight, in this building tonight, He wants to mess some of you up. He wants to wreck you. Not just so that you're a faithful church member, but so you are absolutely turned on and on fire and you can't keep it to yourself and you can't help but witness to your neighbors even though it's out of your comfort zone and you can't help but bring somebody to church even though it's not something you've ever thought of yourself as doing. It, it, it's embarrassing for you, but you are so wrecked. You are so messed up because of what you've seen. I wish I could tell you some of the things that I've seen that ruined me. My wife, I call her my redhead. We're just ruined, man. I'm telling you, we're ruined. We can't go back. As for me and my house, we're just going to serve the Lord. I, don't, I can't help what happens in America. We're going to serve the Lord. I can't help what happens in, in, in Washington, D.C. We're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do because I've seen too much. Nancy Harmon, I don't know how many of you have ever heard that name before, but Nancy Harmon used to sing a song back when I was a kid, so I'm sure no one's ever heard it, but maybe a couple of you. I've come too far to look back now, and that's how I feel. After you've seen a blinded eye open, I was in El Salvador. I saw a lady that had a tumor on the side of her, her belly, on the, like on the side, coming out the, the right side of her belly. Look, it was bigger than a basketball. It was protruding from her, underneath her dress. And we laid hands on that lady. One of the ladies in our team laid hands on her and we prayed for her. We were out in the middle of the, of the jungle when this happened. And a lady by the name of Rabana, you know Rabana? Rabana laid her hands on this lady's tumor through her dress. And I watched as that thing shrunk. It was like someone had deflated a balloon. There was a man by the name of John who came into my office I can, I can show you his family. His family's still alive. They witnessed it. My wife was in the room when this happened. John came into my office before service. It was a Wednesday night. We were getting ready to teach. 
he came in he was blind and he just started crying he had gone blind from glaucoma and his family brought him in so I could help settle him down because he was just way out of sorts because of this blindness it was just driving him crazy he hadn't always been blind he went blind from glaucoma and this man was sitting in my office and I was just a young minister and the Holy Spirit said pour your oil over his head well I, I was young and easily impression <laughs> very impressionable so I I didn't think about getting a little bottle I got the big bottle and that's what I did and and you know it, it I, I realized I could have ruined my reputation in that moment and definitely ruined his suit but he was sitting there he was blind he was in my office and I took this big bottle of oil and I started pouring it over his head just like that and started praying and then it scared me when I did it I realized oh my goodness I've just ruined this man's suit. He had oil coming down his clothes on his head, and he started wiping it out of his eyes because it was burning his eyes. He was saying, this is burning my eyes. He started wiping his eyes, wiping his eyes, and then all of a sudden, this man, his name was John, he screamed out, I can see, I can see. And as he wiped that oil out of his eyes, he got his eyesight back, and he went in that night, and I can tell you, we didn't even, we didn't even get to have Bible study that night. John went in and testified, and the glory broke out in the room, and everybody wanted to pray for it, and everybody wanted to know where I got that oil. I said, down to Piggly Wiggly. That's where I got it. It wasn't, it wasn't the oil. I'm telling you, it was, it was amazing. You see that, it wrecks you. You see the mist come in the room. It messes you up. You cannot go. You see a man, George Dunn, run across the pond, and you're a nine-year-old boy, and this man weighs 400 pounds, and he runs across the pond. It messes you up. You cannot go back to be the You hear Ray Hughes preach a sermon called Hallelujah, and he quotes half the Psalms, and the angels walk into the room. It messes you up. You go to Twin Rivers on a Sunday, on a Sunday at Twin Rivers, and we have where the angels showed up underneath. Remember when the angels showed up underneath the columns and it got caught on camera? That we had angels underneath the columns, seven of them that showed up in the middle of the worship service. That ruins you, folks. That's not a song in a sermon. That's not a little testimony in a track. That is something that is so miraculous and so supernatural and so glorious that it wrecks you for the rest of your life. And I'm telling you, I'm undone. I am messed up. I am ruined. I am wrecked. And I want more more that's all i can think of god do it again let your glory fall again let your presence fall again god just do it again and here's how i'm going to close this out